0: Welcome to Never Buy the Book podcast. This is your host, Kelly Scholes. At 24, I was dead broke and a full blown alcoholic. By age 40, I was completely debt free and a millionaire. Now I share my secrets to success and transformation with audiences around the world as an author, speaker, and success mentor. And of course, as your podcast host. Each Never Buy the Book episode features a guest who has overcome obstacles to build a life of incredible fulfillment. Today's episode is a bad boy's guide to becoming a force of good in the world. Today, I'm honored to interview my good friend, mentor, and brother, self-professed bad boy, Mark Scholz. Welcome back. We're here for part two with my brother, Mark Scholz. In part one, we went pretty in-depth. We talked about our childhood, what Mark dealt with uh, growing up, the anger and frustration and he had clear to hit and rock bottom and then coming out of it through treatment and, and self-improvement and and looking at it himself and improving from that. Now in part two, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um I'd like to talk about what you've done for me and how you've helped me in my life and just where it's gone, what from you breaking the cycle in our family of alcoholism to helping me break it and helping me through business and life and everything. So, one thing I want to talk about first is I don't know if you remember, but when Heather passed away, you flew up and you were there for me. And you were going through probably one of the most nasty divorces anybody could go through. You were fighting for your two daughters that were, you know, 10 and 11 at the time, but yet you were there for me the whole time. How how does somebody dig that deep to go through what you are going through, but yet be there to support me 100 percent?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of. You know, here's what I always try to boil things down to a simple form. Everybody asked me how I went through that divorce. Mm-hmm. And how I went through the custody battle and how I stayed so calm and so true. I hired some of the best psychologists and some of the best attorneys in the country mm-hmm. that dealt with you know the the situation that I was in. One of them asked my main attorney, is he always like this? She turned around and said, Yes. And he looked over at me and he said, You know, I've done a few thousand of these things. How? How do you maintain this? And I said, it was very, very simple. I realized this very early on, right after my oldest was born and she was pregnant with the youngest, that lady was going to have children with somebody and God chose me. Through that whole process of things, with the divorce, it just became, it became a job. And I had faith, and I believe in the serenity prayer of God, accept me, the serenity, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change, the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. On top of that is, "You're my brother. I'm supposed to be there for you. I would know that if something like that happened, you'd be there for me as well. Mm-hmm. Learning about being selfless and there for people. Is probably one of the greatest blessings that I've learned through this thing that I call life is if you can get out of yourself and be there for other people. And, you know, I think I I don't know what verse it is because, you know, I'm not a student of verses, but, you know, if you do things for other people, God will reward you tenfold. Right. and i'm living and i'm living proof of that because i don't deserve the relationships that i have i don't deserve some of my financial successes i'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer i don't think i'm not the most studious but i think i've i've learned how to be selfless and you know i just believe this there's not a cap on giving and i'm not talking about giving financially i'm talking about giving love you know and god doesn't give any of us any more than we can handle sometimes I question <laughs> certainly. <laughs> okay. I got your point. You know, don't give me any more, but um, you know, he handed you a lot right there. And to me, that was more than anything. It was an honor. How's that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was an honor. Well, and
0: you know, I think you and I had a conversation probably that next day and we we're talking and I said something about why our family, I mean, here all three of us are, alcoholics recovering alcoholics right all three of us lost our wives in one fashion or another and ended up raising our kids you brought it back that hey it's a blessing in in one respect because probably because of what we went through when we were younger
1: and learned how to get through some of that stuff you got to have faith no matter what happens in, in in life there's a learning experience and there's a silver lining in there and you've got to find it and you've got to dig deep. Right. You know, we knew what it was like to not have a parent there. We knew what that was like. I knew what it was like. And so there was no way that I wasn't going to be there and fight like crazy for my kid's safety. It, 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 just, it just wasn't going to exist. You know, I would have rather died. I think all of that in the past had prepared us you know, to get to this, to to get to that point. The other thing too, when when you start talking about being an alcoholic, you start talking about being a drug addict, you start talking about having a gun to your head like I did, Um, not wanting to live, not not wanting to care, having that hole that blows through you. And the only way that you can fill that hole up was with more drinking or more drugs or more gambling or more sex or more whatever, anything to not feel. And I have found that much like alcoholism is for me, it's the greatest blessing that I've ever had in my life as being an alcoholic, because without that, I would never have experienced that pain that I felt, that desperation that I felt. I'd have never experienced that. On top of that, I would have never been able to be in a position that I'm in now where I not just help change people's lives. I saved their life. And when you save somebody's life and they tell you that, you know, Hey, I was writing a suicide note when you called me, or I was getting ready to do this, or you haven't seen them in 15 years and they travel to introduce their son and say, he saved my life 20 years ago. When you do that, that's pretty special. So you got to thank God that you're an alcoholic, much like what you're doing here is, when I go in and coach people or train people, or you know, I do some of this stuff. You know, I went in and did some 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 kids at school one day, and so many people think this is all about money. This money is a byproduct right. of trying to make yourself a better person every day, so that you can be selfless to give back to people. Going through that stuff, it makes you stronger, mm-hmm. uh, and it should make you wiser. But it should that experience, if you study on that experience and you gather those feelings up, then you if you help somebody else that's going through that, I think, you know, maybe if I do that till I die, I can right the wrongs. Talk about that story about the
0: kid that that was writing a suicide note.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'll leave some names out of it to protect the 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 screwed up. But. <laughs> But this was a few years ago, a couple of years ago. I'm listening to these audiobooks all the time. A lot of times in training and in doing some of this stuff, I always felt like I opened up too much. Then I see some of these professional trainers never get emotional and never have a tear come out of their eye, and I'm thinking, God, I wish I could be them. I wish I could be them. And I'm listening to it. Yeah, yeah and I can't remember which audiobook it was. There's an audiobook out there called Good to Great. There's another one 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership or mm-hmm. you know just all these audiobooks that I go through and I I always do try to listen to one one business audiobook but then I try to listen to one one personal audiobook. It's talking about some of the greatest leaders out there are vulnerable where they will laugh, well they will cry. Reminded me of the Jim Valvano, you know, given to the Jimmy V Foundation. If you laugh If you smile, if you think, if you cry, you know you've had a good day, right? Now there's a vulnerable guy. So I'm going, God, I'm doing this right. So I'm telling this lady that I'm working for, I said, look, I said, I always thought I was doing this stuff wrong. And I'm listening to this audio book and it says the vulnerable people make them real because everybody can see me as being a real guy with real emotion. I'm not doing things wrong. I'm actually doing it right. And she laughed and said, yeah. And so I said, speaking of vulnerable, she goes, Yeah, I need some help with that too. And I said, Yeah, I know. You're tighter in a frog's butt, right? Yeah. <laughs> and up popped the the Googling of, you know, vulnerability. Yeah. And so she downloaded this audiobook called The Power of Vulnerability. Renee Brown. Renee Brown.
0: You had me read it too. Uh,
1: yeah. She started listening to it one day. She goes, You got to download this audio book. And I said, oh, Okay. So I start downloading it and I started listening to it. I had another employee at the time that was a finance manager. Good looking, you know, mid 20 kid, you know, he's got a daughter, spent some time in the service, a good producer, liked to drink, like to party, like to go to strip clubs, like like little drugs, like to, you know, like to do everything that was wrong with who I am and what I believe. I've been wanting to fire this guy for like a year. And everybody keeps saving them. All my managers no, I'll work with them. I'll work with them. And I mm-hmm. got to a point where I hated him. So I just knew I was going to fire this guy. Finally, one day I was I was driving to work and I just go, you know what? I you know, I'm listening to the power of vulner, vulnerability. And and I think it was the day before I turned around and I said, Okay, I'm gonna fire, I'm gonna fire him tomorrow morning. I get in my car and I got an hour drive back and forth to work, as you know. And I'm listening yeah. to the power of vulnerability. And it starts talking about people in the military that their vulnerability, especially when they're at war, they've got two things, victim or Viking, kill or be killed, right? Right. And then when they come back out of war, they're expected to fit into society and open up and be this vulnerable person and go right back in. And so substance abuse and all that kind of thing starts escalating and escalating. And I'm going, man, you know, I hate this guy. So I push pause and I go, I hate this guy, but he's done this. And I'm listening to this and this. And so I just prayed and I said, God, you know, why do I hate this guy so bad? And all of a sudden it was just like a smash in the mouth. Well, dummy, <laughs> he reminds you of you at that age. Yeah. And that's what you hated in yourself at that age. And so I picked up the phone and I called him and I said, hey, I said, um, can you meet me in my office upstairs at, at at nine o'clock? And he says, well, I'm off. And I said, yeah, I know, but it's important to me. He says, okay, I'll show up. I turned around and told him that, you know, I was going to fire him because I hated him because he reminded me of me at that age. Mm -hmm. And so I sat with him for two hours and told him my life story. I told him about having a gun to my head and I told him about the spirit coming within me. And I told him about, you know rehab, and I told him, and I said, you know, there's there's only a couple things that fill my hole inside of me. It boils down to helping other people, and God. And I said, and based upon your past experience, you can help a lot of other soldiers and other things and be impactful to younger people because you're a natural born leader who is leading them all, you know, in the wrong direction. You're leading them to strip clubs. You're leading them to partying. And he looks at me and says, you know, I don't believe in God. And I says, you know, if I'd gone through what you'd gone through, then, you know, I don't know if I'd believe in God either. But why don't you go home tonight and leave here and go look in your little girl's eyes and let her be your God? Right. And because you got to look it deep in her eyes, you know, she's got a soul. I said, your mom passed away. Why don't you remember some of the greatest moments of your mother taking care of you and let her be your God? Let something else be your God other than you know, what so-called God, I'm going to give you this audio book, Power of Vulnerability, Brene Brown, and I want you to give me a book report. So he says, okay. I said, you got a week to turn it into me. So the next day he calls me and he says, hey, I'm supposed to be in at noon today. He said, I'm halfway done. And he said, if I can have the day off, um, I'll have your book report for you tomorrow. He said, this might be the greatest thing in the world that that I've ever listened to. And I said, okay. Uh, he comes in the next day and he's got his book report and so we start chatting. We talked for, I don't know, thirty minutes or forty minutes, and I read his book report and it was really neat. And and uh, so we stood up to walk away and he stopped and he looked at me and they started walking, he stopped, he looked at me, and I so I turned around and said, Dude, I said, We've already burned our soul. There's nothing that you can say that that I'm gonna judge you one way or another. And a tear was coming out of his eye, and he said, When you called me the other morning and asked me to come meet you, he said, I was writing my suicide note. He says, on the way home, he said, I I, I took the clip out of my gun and threw it off the causeway. Thank you. You saved my life. And I said, no, I don't think it was me. Do you believe in God now? And uh, he just kind of got a smile and said, maybe I do. Um, but that right there, we can talk about success and we can talk about finances and we can talk about the millions of dollars that we make and that's, that. that's okay. whoop ding But I also make a comment. I ain't never seen a brick struck at a funeral home. Right. Never one time have I seen a brick struck at a funeral home. So we know that, that we're not going to take that with us. You know, that's our competitive spirit to to try and be the best that we can be. But there's nothing that replaces knowing that God trusted me enough through all my screwed up stuff and my heartaches and the things I did wrong to learn and get a tool chest big enough to help somebody else. People turn around and say, oh, my God, how how in the world have you stayed sober for what the heck is it now? 32 years? 32 years. 32 years? I mean, that's pretty simple stuff, right there. I mean, you go save somebody's life who was going to get ready to kill themselves. That was a, a drinking woman, chasing drug addict, and it, it's your testimony that saved his life. I, I, how in the world could you go out and go drink after doing something like that? I mean,
0: it's a it's uh, a lot bigger, a lot bigger than us, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's so much bigger, and so you know, that's why you know you you started this conversation with why us? cuz God chose us.
0: Right. And and you know? and you know, going through Heather's death and and watching you go through your divorce and everything, and I I really realized that you know, through what we've been through in our lives, all the hell we've caused everything else, we're meant to be here. Yeah. We're we're meant to be here and we're meant to give back and we're meant to help people. And, you know, through my financial coaching and what I do, uh, being vulnerable there and, and opening up and sharing the stories of what I went through when I was younger and we went through as, as kids and everything and, and helping people there. It's it's so fun to see the light bulb go off for people. Yeah. Like I say, giving back and helping people, it's that's what it's about. I mean, you know, we both should have been dead years and years ago. I write about
1: that in my book. I can remember going through car windows, yeah. Uh, you know, at six miles an hour down the, down the interstate. I mean, jumping from truck to truck. I can remember driving home and really asking God at that time, "Let the tire go flat and blow out, so I can hit the guardrail and die and get this over." Yeah. But like I said, he had he had bigger plans for me. So, yeah. yeah. But I always say, you know, one, another one of my my favorite sayings, and and you've been around me long enough to know that. You know, at work, they call them Marxism's or shows Adversity doesn't make the man. It simply reveals them to himself. When you're going through something adverse, who are you? Are, are you that guy that's got some grit? You know, there's an audio book out there right now called Grit. I don't know if you've listened to it. It, it is amazing where this psychologist actually turns around and goes back to, uh, goes into the teaching and is trying to look at what makes so many of the people successful and it's not intelligence um it's boiled down to grit and teaching people grit um when you when you grew up the way that we grew up survival grit all those kind of things change who you are grit makes a big difference
0: Grit, determination one thing mom always taught us is can't never did anything
1: oh yeah. yeah yeah
0: well thanks for sharing mark this has been awesome Thank you so much for listening to part two of this three-part series. Be sure to tune in and listen to part three coming right up. Share it with someone you care about. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. As we close today, remember, if you're not doing it by the book, it just might mean you're onto something great. Until next time, be great.